Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All righty then, welcome into another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. We got a nice episode for you guys today. We're going to be talking about the Rob Blake presser, the hiring of Jim Hiller, other stuff coming out of that press conference around the Pacific, and then a seat at the round table for the month of January. It's going to be pretty scarce after the way we played, but we'll get to it anyways. Get in the chat, like and subscribe, let's go. All right, guys, welcome into the chat today. We guys are a lively bunch already. CJ getting the first comment here at 622. Let's go, Blake's, Blake's press conference was interesting to say the least. Uh, also comes in to say, didn't deny, already wants out, ju- uh, just was one of them. Over here, Cy, good evening, boys and girls. The boys are back. Lots to delve into today. How about Clark in the All-Star game? We're going to kind of mention him a, a little bit there, but nice little shout out there. Nav coming in with the early 10 buckaroonies. Have a great show, boys. Everyone, don't forget to like and subscribe. Really appreciate that. Uh, sweet dreams there. Nav21. Uh, Carter Scores coming in here with a let's go. The three amigos are back. Yeah, Joe has got some technical difficulty. We'll see if we can get him back in here uh, in a little bit. Uh, Trapper9 says, I just liked I'm number nine. Let's hope that number goes up by the end of the show. Really appreciate that. Lee with a hey, y'all. Uh, and then Kings coming here. Zach the Kings fan. What's up, fam? What's up, my man? Let's go, boys, from ACX419. And you guys are killing it this morning. So let us get it going. If you guys want to throw some questions in there, uh, we'll see if we can get to those. But we got a big show in here. Let's start it out with the, the presser there. So uh, Rob Blake talked about the, the the firing of Todd McClellan and ta- answered some questions about the, the new uh, head coach, uh, what they plan on doing with the organization. Russell, you were there. What were your big takeaways from the, uh, from the presser? Yeah, it was a really contentious kind of room, it felt like. I mean – you can just tell that Rob Blake just did, did not want to be there. And a lot of the questions, it almost seemed like he was just giving a little, I don't want to say attitude, but giving a little bit more of a just yes or no response to a few. And he even said it himself. This is like one of the worst days that he, he's experienced being a GM and then having to fire one of his good friends and Tom McClellan. I mean, the the press conference, there, there wasn't too many surprises, I thought. Uh, it's good to hear Victor Arvidsson's going to be back on Thursday. Um, good to hear uh what he expects to to get from Jim Hiller as the new head coach i think the biggest question or or the biggest question i had um going into it was are we going to see any sort of changes in system or player deployment or lineups or anything like that cuz 
or or is it just going to be you're looking to make a change just to make a change just to kind of bring the boys up a little bit try to change the team's kind of uh mentality a little bit um so but his response to that was it's just going to be a total different change it's a totally different new person so meetings will be different meeting times will be different the way he communicates with will be different so I'm curious to see how that will translate on the ice and in the lineups and roster moves. But I think those are the kind of answers that Kings fans want to hear. And we want to hear, right. You're like, we're, I think what the thing with McClellan and we talk about like him, him being let go for, for me, it was really surprising just because I didn't see Rob Blake and Luke Robitaille kind of getting away from McClellan. It is certainly for, in my opinion, it seemed like they were just going to kind of ride the wave and and just figure it out at the end of the year because McClellan is Rob Blake's guy. And now that he's gone, maybe Rob Blake's obviously on the hot seat now if this if things don't turn around. So to see him actually go, I was actually caught by I was caught by surprise. But it does make sense. I mean, you you lose what three games or you win three games in 17. Um not a lot of coaches are gonna survive that. So to see him go, it, it's it's not necessarily his hundred percent his fault. But a lot of the question marks that came into play during his time recently were the lack of adjustments that he would make. I mean, I just didn't see enough changes to warrant uh, or to to think that, okay, he's doing enough to try to turn things around here. Like defensively, we pretty much saw the same defensive pairings throughout this entire stint or this, this these struggles that the Kings have been going through. Besides Brant Clark and Jordan Spence being switched in and out of the lineup, which even then was like, what are we doing here? So there were really no changes there up front. You kind of you heard Drew Doughty. I mean, after the, the Buffalo game, you heard Drew Doughty kind of go off on his teammates, and we saw the same lineup the next day. It's like, okay, well, like, how are you going to really change the mentality and the approach of your of your players if you're not really going to adjust too much? So I think those are those are maybe some issues that uh, some people took it. Uh, took hard to uh, with uh, McClellan and some of his adjustments. That's always kind of been his, his MO uh, with his coaching tenure so far, just even going back to San Jose days. So to hear that Rob Blake is expecting Jim Hiller to just kind of come in and just shake everything up. I think a lot of people are, are, uh, are um, happy to hear those comments come from him. Do you think he's going to shake everything up? Cause I didn't seem like there was any indication from Rob that that's what they talked about. They just, he was kind of vague with, yeah, we talked offense, defense, and goaltending. Well, that's all three phases. And they said they didn't want to really change anything on the PK. So do you get a sense of that from the press conference or do you, from maybe other people that you talk to uh, within the building? Well, Rob Blake said it himself. He's like, they, they, as far as management, not necessarily the head coach, they'll make recommendations, but all in all, it's it falls on the head coach to make the final decision. So the, the thing that's interesting with Jim Hiller, and then I've learned kind of reading about him, is that he's a very big guy in, in analytics. He's very big in analytics. He started a, an analytics com- company called True Performance with, with former NHL or Brad Rowenka back in the day. And that's eventually what got him hired to be an assistant coach with Mike Babcock in, in Detroit. So, I mean, if if that's what he's going to be leaning on, then certainly some of the the – Roster decisions. I mean, I'm looking at like Andreas Anglin and Trevor Lewis. Like some of these roster decisions of player deployments really go against a lot of what analytics are kind of telling us. So, if he really is going to have the final say in terms of the lineups and the pairings and, and the forward lines, whatever, then you would expect to see some sort of adjustments and changes be made in, 
um, in the lineup. So we'll see what happens on Thursday. But if if he's looking to shake things up, I, I would expect that to happen. Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting there. And I, I saw a couple of people in chat. You know, well, if, if England is in the lineup, then uh, then he's fired, right? So, <laughs> but uh, but I I think that it'll be interesting to see how they view that. You brought up that, that he let Lee that they let the head coach make the decisions on the lineup, but then he kind of I think he kind of contradicted himself when you talked about when you asked the question about Clark uh, and the deployment of him and how that works out. I mean, that, that was like a. Now yeah. that one was an executive. That was a team decision. That was an organizational so, decision, which was yeah, yeah. So we have to get him games, but you know, but the lineup is purely up to Todd. So, uh, so you know, I, I just think that it's kind of a weird, like hybrid thing that they were kind of saying to where there again, really not that much clarity when it comes to you know how much change we'll actually see. Yeah, and that's what's so, I guess, refreshing kind of going forward, and it, it's not like. I'm not trying to be too critical of Todd McClellan, but these are all Rob Blake's kind of guys and Luke Robitaille's guys. Like that, that was his choice to be the head coach. And I know obviously it's his choice to bring in Jim Hiller as an assistant coach, but they're not necessarily connected as they, as they were to Todd McClellan as, as Trent Yanni was and, and, and Rob Blake was. So when you have this new kind of mindset coming in and he was brought in originally to fix the power play and it did, I mean, he did fix it last year. I mean, this year they've had their struggles, but they're still middle of the pack. It's not necessarily like a, a big detriment like the penalty kill was last year for this team. So when you have a guy who's brought in who's not necessarily with the original group that comes in, I I, I would think that you it'd be a refreshing voice as, as far as the players when you put him at the head coaching position. So who knows what will happen as far as the lineups go on Thursday. But, yeah, like I said, I, I expect to, to see some sort of adjustment because, I mean, you have to at this point. I mean, even the, they got the win in Nashville – even then, I mean, the, the Kings did not play well. They they eked out those two points and were saved by a, a really excellent performance by David Riddick and obviously the the few goalposts that Nashville hit too. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to Thursday and seeing who is paired up with who. Let's see if we could try to add Joe. I think he's kind of worked some things out here. Joe, welcome into the chat, my man. There he is. Hey, thank you. I'm, I'm working on it. I don't know what is going on. It's, I told you guys before we got on, I was – doing video last night for the high school team and my laptop was literally on fire. I could smell it. So I don't know what's going on with these speakers. <laughs> so if there's any tech people here in the chat, feel free, but probably need a new laptop if I'm guessing. So <laughs> <laughs> how's it going? Like, so what, so obviously if you heard what we were talking about in the, in the background, as far as the deployment and, and how it might change under Hiller, Rob Blake talked about the room and how assistants kind of ride behind the head coach and echo the sentiment. But when they take the reins, the voice could change in that, in that, in that aspect, how you were assistant coach. I mean, you might feel maybe the same way about your own hockey team, but how do you think that will go towards uh, the locker room of, of the Kings? I think that's a, it's an really interesting dynamic because the assistant coaches are, you know, they're kind of a buffer a lot of times between player and head coach, and they're kind of delivering a different message. Generally speaking, going to be a little bit more trying to be positive, get guys going, things like that, work on a little bit more of the technical side of things. So you have the ability to kind of be that more one-on-one -on -one with the players, I think, than, than a head coach does. He's kind of got to oversee the whole thing. So 
as I don't know if you know how Hiller was go- is going to approach this as a head coach. Um, I ha- I imagine it's a it's going to be a tricky transition for him and the players. You know they because there's a different level of like, you know. I don't want to say respect because that's not to say that he didn't have respect before, but like he, he, he has a little bit of a different uh, pressure on him now as, as a head coach and some of the, the roles and responsibilities he has are going to be different. So I think the, the players, it's a two way street, you know, he has to understand that, but I think the players also need to understand that too. So uh, yeah, I mean, I do think it's interesting. I, 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 I obviously the level that I'm at is significantly different, but I do wonder sometimes how that would go if if something were to happen for some reason i'd be a head coach for you know a week or two weeks or whatever which you know got to be that nothing like that has to come up but you know it's different it, it is definitely different like my relationships with the players is going to be different than than the head coaches just skating around in practice talking to them you know kind of talking about about little things here and there it's different um so that said i mean it, this stuff happens um and you know, Hiller's been around the game a long time. He's been, he's seen coaching changes, you know, before he's, so I'm not too concerned about his kind of evolution into being a head coach. You know, I, I was actually watching some Hiller press conferences back when he was in Toronto. He kind of, it was preseason during the world cup and Babcock was off doing head coaching duties. So he was running the ship as the, as kind of the, de facto head coach during preseason and he was doing the press conferences again it's preseason but it was in toronto so it's still probably <laughs> a little bit regular season game in la yeah <laughs> so you know uh, i it's not i don't think it's something that it's totally foreign to him now now russ uh obviously they decided to keep the the hiring in-house with uh, quite a few names um you know thrown out there that are possible head coaching hires they went with him pretty quickly I assume they had this already figured out before they let Todd know. Was that a surprise to you that they went in indoors and they're looking to hire now an assistant coach instead of just bringing in a previous head coach that was available? No, it's actually not surprising to me. I think Joe kind of hit hit the nail on the head. The way I look at this team and a lot of the struggles that they've been going through lately, this team is too talented to be playing as bad as they've been playing. And I feel like this is a real – this has been more of a mental – aspect as far as like their actual skill and talent being performance on the ice i mean from everything i like in terms of being being around the team and whatnot like it just seems like there's really no cohesion in the locker room and i mean drew dowdy said it best right after the buffalo game so when you have a player or a assistant coach who's been able to create those individual relationships and been be a little bit more personal with his team i wonder if you get now uh, more of a respect with with that assistant coach. And then knowing like, okay, like now we're going to be playing for a guy who we respect, who's created these interpersonal and one-on-one relationships with. And now he's going to be put in as a, his first, it's his first head coaching position in the NHL. So I would hope that the players have that mindset to feel like, oh, we should start playing well for this guy. Like we need to be playing our best. And, and if we really respect him as an assistant coach, which I think they do, then you would hope to see some turnaround performances on the ice too. So I don't know. I like with Hiller, I feel like he's created those relationships. Like for, for like one example, I always watch PLD. Like uh, ever at practice, whenever I'm at practice, like PL Dubois is the one player I'm always watching. 
And whether it's after, after practice, before practice, or even during practice, the, the coach he, I always find him talking to is Jim Hiller. And I see him staying on the ice after like 10 minutes, 15 minutes after practice talking, just one, like, like Joe said, having those one-on-one conversations. So I feel like that having that aspect where you have a, a, a coach who's already been kind of implemented into the, the locker room and is respected and whatnot, I feel like that'll help try to turn things around with the team in their current slide. Yeah, I think there's, it'd be interesting to see who they hire as the assistant coach. Now with what you said about bringing somebody from within a lot of coaches. Well, they already did. Coach, the they brought coach? in DJ Smith. Yeah. DJ yep. Smith is the assistant coach. I thought that was assistant. I thought that was assistant GM. No oh. assistant coach. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Well, so yeah, then... the former Ottawa Senator uh, head coach who got fired, what, December? He's now the assistant coach under uh, – he worked with uh, Jim Hiller in Toronto under Mike Babcock. So, But by all accounts, I mean, from everything I've read, DJ Smith is a very well-liked guy um, from all of his players. I, I, I think I read a quote from Morgan Riley saying uh, went in Toronto saying he's the best coach he's ever played for. And, and Matt Martin yeah. said that you're getting a, a real personal, like a uh, player's type of coach, and he's just what they need. So to hear that, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's like when you have those those coaches that you can relate to and have those conversations with. And I'm not going to say that they weren't have they didn't have that with McClellan, but it certainly seems like that they're more open to having those maybe uh, personal relationships with Jim Hiller, and hopefully you can get, see that now happening with DJ Smith. So I, I like the hires I mean, personally. I, I I like bringing in DJ Smith from everything I've read. Like you want to have those player type coaches when you're going through these mental struggles that the Kings are going through. And the same thing with Jim Hiller. Like I have a lot of, I'm not going to say that he's going to be the future head coach after the season's end season ends, but if it goes well, like I wouldn't be too surprised if they keep him on. Yeah. And I think the, the, it we have a coach like Hiller. This is his first go around as a, he's been getting opportunities as a head coach. So he's going to want somebody that he's comfortable with. He's worked with him before, obviously. Uh, and I think the fact that he lasted as long as he did in Ottawa was because of how well-liked he was and how much of the players loved him because he severely, in my opinion, underachieved with that roster. And, you know, for for whatever reason, but he was extremely well-liked by the players, which I think that suits perfectly for the King situation. Uh, Clearly, it seems like he's a likable guy. Hiller's comfortable with him. So actually, this is a really, really good fit um, for the current LA King situation. What uh, What about here, SDR coming in here? We need a hard-ass Sutter type coach. Uh, Do you? you? You looked at Rob Blake said he has no problems with how the locker room is from player to player. He said a lot of those hard messages get driven in by a player like what <clears throat> Drew Doughty did. So do you need, is that the type of coach that they need to turn this thing around or is it just a new voice? I mean, it, you could, it's, I don't know. Like Drew Doughty's already been calling players out and his own teammates out. Like you would imagine that's all this hard ass approach has probably already been done. So at this point you have to, you have to find a, uh, if you're a player on the Kings, you have to find a reason to want to play for the coach uh, at the helm. And like, hopefully like, like it talks about earlier, like if, if Jim Miller has been able to create these personal relationships with some of these players that McClellan hadn't, then you would hope to have that respect as for the head coach with it being the, his first opportunity. So, I mean, you, 
it's it's the players have to look within themselves. It's it's on the players to turn this around. It is like like I said, like we can we can talk about McClellan's lack of adjustments or his lines or whatnot, but it's it's this there's this team is too talented to be playing as poorly as they are. It's on them to turn everything around. So all right, we got a super chat here from Stop It Right Here, guys, with the 499. Thank you, appreciate that. How do you guys appreciate think the new staff plus Blake will go about playing the youth and trusting them more? Well, I I'm gonna go. There's a couple things here. Um, one, Blake. I really think that Blake's uh, presser. Like I know he said we need to improve the, you know, all areas. Okay, mm-hmm. but every time it started with the offense, improve the offense. We also need to improve the defense and the goaltending and yada yada yada. It's a lot of coach speak and and hockey speak for. We got to improve the offense. So and to kind of back that up. A little bit so we've talked about how the public models have the kings still kind of top five overall and like expected goals and all that stuff so in listening to uh, uh the hockey pdo cast earlier today they, they have access to sport logic data and the kings uh, in terms of offensive expected goals are 19th that's not great uh vastly different from the the public model so I think when you look at Rob Blake sort of subtly hinting, in my opinion, my impression was the offense needs to improve. We're not getting enough. We're not scoring enough. Plus, if you look at, if you hear what some of the private models are suggesting, the Kings offensively are not good. Plus, it's Jim Hiller, who is known as an offensive guy, a power play guy. I think that all kind of comes together to say we need this team to get better offensively. I don't know what that's going to look like system-wise from a Hiller standpoint. We're just going to have to wait and see. I don't know what that's going to mean from a line combos thing. We're just going to have to wait and see. But I mentioned earlier, talking about in the, the other part of this question, about playing the youth and trusting them the more. Now, mentioning that I watched some Jim Hiller press conferences from from 2016, Worth noting, these were preseason games, but he was asked about a couple of different players, one of them being a young defenseman, uh, Justin Hall. I believe he's moved on to Detroit, I want to say, at this point in his career. Mm -hmm. But anyways, this was his first pro game that he was was talking about. He said he went back on pucks and he broke us out. How many times have we talked about the ability to break out? It's not often that we've heard a coach in Los Angeles say he broke us out. Like that, So... I don't know. I, I I'm, could be obviously reading way too much into, but to me, that tells me that's the type of stuff that he's looking for as a coach. He broke us out. He got us out clean. He referenced Jake Gardner dancing on his feet. Like I, I, I sense that this is a this is a coach that these are the types of things he's looking for. So my, I suspect he'll be more inclined to play, and hopefully maybe trust the youth. We won't know until we see it. But, you know, not trying to pretend like I know a lot about Jim Hiller, but just in doing a little bit of digging, you know, obviously his time with the Kings, but he's not exactly at the forefront of the, of the media availability. So just reading between the lines of some of the Blake comments with the, with the I think he thinks this offense needs to improve and it should be better than it is. You've alluded to this, Russ, today, saying this offense is too talented. I think that's what this is all about. So I do think they're going to – get more offense and that could mean playing the youth a little bit more. 
Russ, let me ask you a, a kind of a different angle to this question here. Obviously, Blake talked about the LTIR possibility for Lazat. Uh, Turcotte came up for him, and it has played well so far. Um, and we've been wanting the Clark-Spence um, combo to be on the ice at the same time. So with the ex- extra opportunity with Turcotte and maybe the uh, the couple days before the first game, do you think that there's a chance for the two defensemen to get on the ice at the same time? Yeah, possibly. I mean, like Joe just talked about, if, if Jim Hiller's just looking for pure offense and looking to improve that aspect, I mean, <laughs> why not try to get two of your best young offensive defensemen on in the lineup, right? I mean, Andres England is definitely not offense. He doesn't scream offense. He doesn't really scream defense. So, yeah, I would hope that's what they end up doing. And it's Man. funny, like I mean, with Clark fighting like, in the A, we don't need really England to throw hands. Yeah, anymore, exactly. Right? So he's <laughs> and, and, and it was good to hear Rob Blake talk about that too. It's, he said it's good that it's good to see uh, Clark have that in his game, which which I think ties into a lot of stuff with Brant Clark and what they've noticed of him coming up because he absorbs a lot of contact. And, and one thing that like they've tried to improve with him on is his ability to kind of turn away from hits and not take too much contact, not take too much of those hits, especially when he's going back for pucks and in his own zone. So to see him have that fight and is, is good to see. So, but as far as like what Joe, what Joe just described and like to hear Gardner dancing on his feet in his breakouts, like, isn't that Jordan Spence like to a T like how many times have we seen Jordan Spence do that and, and skate away from pressure and find the open man, but just he can't find himself to get the opportunity more five, during five-on-five five play, which makes no sense. So that's why I'm curious to see. Like, with the thing with, like, with analytics and playing a role and, and um, as far as Jim Hiller becoming a head coach, I'm curious to see how much that uh, mindset of his goes into these raw, these lineup constructions going forward. Because if you look purely at analytics – Gavrikov and Jordan Spence is probably is, is the best defensive pair that the Kings have iced all season. So, I mean, if you're looking to give more opportunities to those younger defensemen, maybe shake up the bottom pairings a little bit, and maybe you get Gavrikov Spence with a little bit of Clark Roy action on the bottom pair. That sounds pretty good to me. I like it. I like it. I think Turcotte is going to be the biggest beneficiary here uh, with the possibility of Lazat going to LTIR. You know, we talk about getting getting opportunities and, and taking advantage of those opportunities, right? And so you never know what's going to happen. And and so now that he's able to do that, he's playing really well. You might look at him when Lazat comes back and starting himself on the wing and making Rob Blake figure out how to keep him on the roster from a cap constraint because GMs can pretty much do anything these days with acquiring LTIR space or, or doing what have you. So having, having an, an extended opportunity for Turcotte, uh, who was put in the 1C role for the rain where Tynan has been there all year uh, in his game down there. Um, really could see him make that push. And we saw how energetic they were towards the end of the season. You're, we're going to need that for the final 30-something-odd games to to make a push to get into the playoffs and, and, and make some noise. So I think that will be the main beneficiary here, and hopefully Hiller recognizes that and, and bangs on Rob Blake's door to keep him up because um, they're going to need that going down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, if like Rob Blake said it best, like they're just purely looking at wins and losses now. He said he, he wasn't really like that before, but now it's about wins and losses. And he, uh, as far as probably his job is in, in, in question too, if they don't end up winning. So if you're trying to win games, you should 
figure out a way to ice the best lineup you can possibly can. And that includes Alex Turcott, who looked incredibly good these last two games. I know I wasn't on the last pod to talk about him, but I mean, man, those two games, like we saw everything that we had heard about when from his draft profile, puck hound, 200 foot game, tenacity, constantly like that mosquito on the ice that we see with Blake Lazat. That was Alex Turcott with even more skill than probably Lazat brings. So, I mean, man, like if you find, if you pull Alex Turcott out of the lineup now, after the showing he's had, because he was pretty much the only one player that was really showing enthusiasm in those games. I mean, that goal that he scored against Nashville. I mean, when have we seen a player in the last two months show that much excitement after scoring a goal, that smile that like was, that made me feel like, great like I wanted to jump up and, and pound glass whatever like man like I wanted like I one run through a wall for that guy so you would hope to have that kind of uh energy in the lineup going forward to ignite a little bit of uh success from this team that they've been lacking yeah I think it's what gonna I'm, be something interesting there go ahead well so what I'm interested in seeing is you know the Kings kind of have built their decor around McClellan, right? I I think they didn't. Ex- they don't exactly have a modern day defense group, right? Like their system and what they play to, yeah. Right, and it's worked. Like it, defensively, it has worked. There's there's no doubt about it. But I've been saying for a long time, I don't think there's nearly enough skill on this blue line. And I, you know, and now that you know the team is having trouble scoring. Now, part of this could be some puck luck. They're shooting like five or six percent during the stretch. I mean, that's not going to continue. But still, I mean, when you limit your upside on the back end, it ain't going to help your offense. Uh, and the Kings at their best, you know, they've got a lot of defensive defensemen type of guys in there. Gavrikov, Roy, uh, Mikey Anderson, Andreas Anglin. I mean, that's a your whole de- four sixth of your defense group right now is focused on defending um and so hiller's hands are a little tied in that sense i mean obviously he can play clark and spence in the same group but there is there is offensive uh, uh players in this in the forward group uh for sure which makes it kind of a unique setup i suppose so i i am interested to see what he does kind of from a system standpoint because i think he's got to be a little cautious just only because he has what he has in the back end i mean you're not going to all of a sudden turn Gavrikov and Roy into like Devon Taves and Sam Gerrard. Okay. That's just not going to happen. It's just not the style that they play. So how he, how he massages that and what he does with that uh, from a system standpoint will be interesting to see. Let's get into this next part here. So uh, he was brought up or was brought up about Artie. Uh, he asked, they asked one question about Arthur Kaliev and him being dissatisfied and, you know, possibly training, uh, trading him away or, this or that, and kind of, kind of matrix the question a little bit, and kind of made, kind of swept it under the rug. But Russ, what do you feel about this situation there? We brought it up in the last pod, and in the rumblings around the other reporters there, do you feel like this is a possibility come trade deadline, or are we kind of just going to see somebody sit on their hands and, and it is what it is? It's definitely a possibility from everything we've heard and what Rob Blake has talked about. Um, yeah, I've heard that he's just incredibly unhappy Kaliev in terms of his playing situation. And uh, apparently over the summer, they had asked him to stay in LA and work on a lot of stuff. And, and he adhered to that. He stayed in LA and did all the stuff that the the coaching staff asked him to do. 
So that's and that was why I kept asking about I, I kept asking McClellan about Kaliev during the preseason and during training camp, and he, he kept saying like, yeah, he's got the guy who's who's done everything we've asked of him, and he's going to get the opportunity. And that was when he was playing, I think, with Dubois and Fiala to start the year. So to see that, like, we were thinking like, okay, well, they're going to give Kaliev a, a a real shot here. And what's so strange is like, it seems the leash for Kaliev is so much shorter than what it is from so many other players on this team. And I like, obviously we don't know what goes on behind closed doors and, and whatnot. So I'm not going to say, but everything that we can see the on ice and the statistics and everything that we hear from, it makes no sense for them to not play him. I mean, his on ice metrics speak for themselves. I don't, I can't remember too many glaring mistakes that he's made that have really led to um, goals going the other way or in the Kings net. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say he's been the best player on the team, but to see him be healthy scratched over players like Trevor Lewis and Jerry Anderson Dolan, I mean, no disrespect to them, but when you have a 22 year old with the upside that he has, you have to figure out a way to get him in the lineup and fix his game and not just have him sit in the press box for a couple weeks. I mean, that doesn't really make any sense. So this, this talk of them may possibly looking at trading Arthur Kaliev, I couldn't be more against that. I mean, I still see a ton of upside in this player. He's obviously got the shot. He's got the size and you can't really teach two of those components. So if you can figure out that more of a, that mental side of the the game and try to try to hone that a little bit more, I feel like you get a good middle six type winger in your team. So don't, don't give up on him yet. Yeah. We could see maybe the Hiller coaching help with this too right we'll give him some yeah. give him some pub up on on the third line maybe you see um you know the the numbers get switched around there also he played well when he played with turcott it looked like he played decently there right. so maybe he gets some some run back with his uh his former teammate joe you're about to speak so go ahead and just lay it on me big guy i was just gonna say regarding Kaliev, yeah like i i this could be a fresh start for him it could be that speculation. We have no idea what the Hiller Kaliev relationship is, or if Hiller agrees with all this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. I don't know. I'm not all there with with Kaliev. I, I, I've seen it in spurts. I just haven't seen it consistently enough. I'm more than willing to give him another shot here with a fresh coach, fresh start, fresh ideas. Maybe a change in the tweaking system and tweaking his role and responsibility. I'm all for that, um, but. I agree that his his leash has seemed shorter than others, but I I think he's a different player than most of the other guys that he he hasn't really contributed a whole lot um, consistently at five on five in in all three zones of the rink. So I'm a I I go back and forth with Kaliev. I see the talent, I see the upside there, but um, you know he's he does have to start to show some things more consistently. I will say. Um, Elliot Friedman has mentioned on his 32 thoughts podcast and on two of the last three pods, I think talking specifically about Arthur Kaliev, uh, and, uh, tied the Kings and Kaliev with quote, uh, a, a forward with jam, which should scare a lot of people. Now that was <laughs> pre McClellan firing. So I don't know. I'm not going to suggest that we were going to go and trade Kaliev for Zach McEwen, but we did see the Kings acquire a forward with jam last year. So, uh, listen, that can mean a lot of things. Okay. Uh, that, that doesn't necessarily mean it, it's a player that can't play. So we'll see if the new coach does offer a fresh opportunity for Kaliev. I'm open to it, 
But at the same time, I haven't been on this pod sitting here and beating the drum that we've got to find a way to get Arthur Kelly in the lineup because I don't think he's totally earned it. So yeah, this- but you got to look at the the. I mean, comparing him to other players that are getting lineup like ice time, wouldn't you figure out I a would, way that? Listen, you, I you're going to drag <laughs> it on me. Yes, Russ, I would play him over Trevor Lewis. Okay, that's, that's what, what I'm, <laughs> I mean. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, let's 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 just say what it is. I mean, yes. he's getting yes. benched over players that shouldn't be playing. I would say, just, listen, I, I, I think I do think overall game. I agree oh, that perhaps go. the upside isn't quite there, but I don't hate what Anderson Dolan and what Grunstrom bring to the table. Um, I'm They can be in a rotation with Kaliev, like Kaliev's right in that mix, but I don't think that he has definitively outplayed those two. I'm going to give you Lewis, but that's a layup, Russ. Okay? I'll take it. We know that one. The yeah. other ones, though, I'm, I'm open. Like I said, I'm open to it. I'm here for another opportunity for the kid, but he's – He's had some opportunities, so hopefully this is um, this is a good one. Well, that's the thing, though. Is like he's had the opportunities, and I mean, we haven't really seen. I mean, obviously, he hasn't really taken the opportunity by force too much to like light up the score sheet or box score like that. But I feel like he's played pretty well, like to know and more. I mean, mm-hmm. some of his metrics speak to that too. So I would hope that they give him that other shot. And one thing too to think about, like. Arthur Kaliev is younger than Alex Turcotte, and we've been waiting so long. And I get that there's a different journey there, but we've been waiting so long and been so patient with Turcotte. I mean, I don't know if we've been patient, but we've been <laughs> waiting for him to come, and he's finally arrived, and we're all excited. And Arthur, Arthur Kaliev is still younger than him. So I think you just have to be more patient. And, I, man, I don't know what the trade – I don't even know what you'd be able to get for a player like Arthur Kaliev at this point. I feel like you would have to be like a package deal to maybe get to get a better player in return. But it's not like you're going to get like a one for one, like decent NHL starter in return from him unless Rob Blake just pulls a fast one over because, be, because, it, you know, and I was looking at now again, like I said, forward with jam can mean a lot of things. But just scouring and you figure it, because of the cap, it, it would have to be kind of dollar for dollar. So you look yeah. at what Kaliev makes, that's not a player worth acquiring. Okay, so if I'm dealing, we talked about this, I think, last show, Russ. Like, if if I'm dealing Kalia, preferably it's in a package, a bigger package, to acquire a significant upgrade somewhere. Um, That's tough to do because of salary cap, et cetera, which is why there has to be another player included. I don't know that the Kings are willing to do that right now or what what their plans are. So I get nervous when I hear they'd be open for Kalia for that type of player, if only because that type of player has to be basically league minimum. And if I'm talking about league minimum players, Arthur Kaliev's, I'd rather have that talent than, you know, something else. All right. Well, before we get into our other topics here, we're going to bring you a segment here from our sponsor here at DraftKings. Looking for a super offer? For the Super Bowl, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn five bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Last time I checked, the odds were still plus two for the Niners. Over under was at 47 and a half. So make your wagers on the Super Bowl. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code THPN. New customers can bet five bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code THPN. The crown is yours. 
Uh, side note there, I saw that the referee group uh, for the Super Bowl the are, had the highest percentage of hitting the under for bets. Okay. Good kind of a little, 47. Little... Totals at 47 right now. And uh, there's already there's already crazy con- crazy controversy coming out of the Super Bowl already. So with with the practice facilities, yeah. So uh, you know it's already it's already rigged. Taylor Swift and <laughs> practice facilities. Uh, but I just thought, how, how is that possible? How do you give one team a two hundred million dollar indoor facility and the Niners are practicing outdoor in the rain in a makeshift field that doesn't even belong to UNLV? They had to create a random stuff they the player you're saying it's like walk like walking on a sponge out there like it's not it's not responsive and they're out in the rain like you don't think like like they're not practicing for eight hours like you can't have both team at the same facility you know right. like like figure things know. out like, boys right. yeah it's it's the it's the nfl and i and i have no idea what's going on so as a kansas city plus two and a half holder i love it <laughs> yeah but you you want me as a uh, as a happy 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 host? Yeah, we want happy, a happy host, host here. San Fran by two. I'm happy. There we go. <laughs> Let's flip it over here. Uh, a little mini topic before we get into the big chunk here. Clark uh, at the All Star Game. So this little break allowed him to go back down play. Uh, won the uh, skill shooting competition four for four. You know, just made it, just made it happen, uh, and and played well in the game. So I just want to give him his stick taps there. He looks like he's having fun. He was stoked. I mean, four straight, and then you get, you get the big fist pump. Uh, definitely the opposite of uh, was it the the Kuznetsov or whatever from Tampa uh, in the in the, the All Star game, just mailing oh, it Kucherov, in. Kucherov, yeah, Kucherov, yeah, and uh, just mailing it in there. And so, which m- makes no sense to me. I get it, but they offered like a million dollars for the winner of that thing. Like, but like you want to put some effort into it, I guess. Like, I don't know. Yeah, he didn't care. He was probably yeah. drunk when it was going on. So, what about oh man, Blue Blay? Admitting to taking microdosing before the draft, <laughs> the draft over there. That's that was crazy. But uh, yeah, six halves to Clark didn't go down there, uh, making a statement. Hopefully, he gets brought up for the second half of the season. On our next topic, around the Pacific uh, or around the West, really, we had two huge trades as well as some major shakeups in the standings. So as the standings sit right now, uh, Avalanche one, Sars two, Jets three in the Central, separated by a total of three points. In the Pacific, you have. Canucks, Knights, Oilers, separated by a pretty decent margin of 12. Uh, and the two wild card spots right now are your Kings with 56 points, Blues with, and Predators tied with 54, and the Kraken right behind that at 52. So since we last talked, obviously, we have sunk out of the uh, the Pacific 1-2-3. We right now would be playing uh, Colorado in the first round if that were Oof. to happen, if the season were to end now. Uh, not yes. ideal. Not ideal at all. Um, so let's get into the specific here first. Are there any teams that have picked up that you that you really enjoy or are making some noise? And then we'll get into the, the big trades. Uh, not really. I mean, it kind of seems like all the same teams are just humming along, unfortunately, <laughs> for the Kings. So uh, Vegas is, is kind of figuring things out, I guess, after their little slide. Edmonton. Might never lose again. <laughs> and Vancouver is a solid team. So, yeah, I'm pretty uh, pretty petrified right now. So just to piggyback off that, like looking quickly at last 10, Colorado 7-2-1, Dallas 7-2-1, Winnipeg 6-3-1, Vancouver 8-0-2, Vegas 6-3-1, Edmonton 10-0, LA 3-5-2. 
So everybody else seems to one be of these things it. are not like the other. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Everybody else seems to be doing quite all right in the West, except for Los Angeles. So we'll see how this shakes out. But no, I agree. There's, as you mentioned, Randy, and we'll kind of touch on the trades a little bit uh, in a second. But I mean, obviously, Edmonton is an absolute wagon right now. I would just say and reiterate, you know, and maybe this is a segue into the deal, but Vancouver isn't going anywhere, people. They're not going anywhere. Come on. Let's, They're not. let's, They're gonna go let's, somewhere. let's get into it here. Elias Lindholm traded uh, from Calgary to Vancouver for Andre uh, Kuzmenko on Wednesday, as well as some other um, mm-hmm. picks here. So Calgary will also receive Vancouver's first-round pick, a conditional mm-hmm. fourth uh, in 2024 uh, NHL draft. And defenseman prospects Hunter, I'm not going to even try to pronounce that last name, and Yoni Yermo. Uh, so big, big center here. Lindholm has 32 points, 9 goals, 23 assists in 49 games for the uh, Flames this season. Man, Vancouver gets a big body in, down the center, uh, looking really good there and adding a very strong piece. Well, that big body is actually going to be playing on the wing, apparently. So they have him playing. I forget who they're playing with, but, yeah, they have him starting out on the wing in Vancouver, which I would have loved to see him in L.A. do. I know the price to, that they paid, first of all, I think Craig Conroy and the Flames did incredible here. Like, they did a really good job. The, I'm trying to find the stats, but I believe that that defenseman that they got from the OHL has, like, a ridiculous amount of points um, and leads all defensemen in points. He's, like, got, like, Brent, he's putting up, like, Brent Clark numbers. I believe. I could be wrong there. Whoa, but, slow your roll there, buddy. I'm just saying. <laughs> The, the, the superhuman Clark, but it is what it is. But yeah, like with Vancouver, I think this is a perfect gift for them. Uh, if you could put uh, Lindholm down on the wing or even play him in the middle, either way, uh, solid get. And it pretty much affirms what everyone's been saying that they're here and they're not going to go anywhere, like Joe said. So sucks. it's a win win deal. I mean, I think if you're, you're trading a guy, Lindholm, who he came on after, I think, and said that he didn't say he didn't want to stay, but clearly there was a there was they weren't seeing eye to eye in terms of what they wanted, in terms of you know what Calgary wanted, what Lindholm wanted. So the likelihood of him resigning seemed somewhat low. So for them to go and trade him and force a bunch of listen, there's a lot of they're all lotteries right now. Kuzmenko had the the big year last year, kind of buoyed by a really high shooting percentage but there's a talented player there you mentioned the defenseman prospect where i think there's a second defenseman prospect who's a little bit more of a project a couple picks so like there's there's pieces here i mean there's there's certainly the opportunity that none of them pan out but i think they took a lot of dart throws and i think that's what you you got to do for you can get that many dart throws for a player that is again all but likely not to resign i think they did a really nice job and i think vancouver did a really nice job trading some some bits and pieces they didn't trade a top prospect um one of their top two or three anyways um the pick's going to be late in the first round kuzmenko was a healthy scratch i think this is a win-win deal for both teams and vancouver gets a guy that is extremely versatile i think what we'll talk about this with winnipeg too the players that these two teams added are not only really good players, kind of Lindholm can play higher in the lineup, lineup like he can play a first line role, I think. But the, both he and then with, with Monaghan and Winnipeg, they're just so versatile. They can comfortably play center and wing. I know there was talk about Dubois when the Kings got him, and I I never really loved it. But oh well, Dubois can play center and wing. It's like 
I don't think so. I mean, I know he has played wing in the past. I do not view him ever as a winger, except for maybe in a spot here or there. Late in the game, you put him on a line with Kopitar, whatever, stuff like that, situationally. He's a centerman, and I don't look at Lindholm and Monaghan that way. I think they genuinely can play all over the ice, and I think that's just really beneficial from a versatility standpoint. Um, so I think both teams did really well here, both Calgary in, in kind of restocking and Vancouver adding a significant piece to their top six. It was good to hear Blake say that he wants Dubois at the at center ice position. So that was good to hear. hear He's that, a center. But, He's a center. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah, just to add on real quick, that I looked up the stats that Hunter – uh, defenseman that they picked up that third rounder 61 assists in in 49 games in the ohl so i mean who knows if that'll translate to the nhl success but decent numbers yeah. you gotta you gotta play well at the, the level you're at before you can move up so that, yeah that's, exactly uh, i mean you gotta do what you gotta do speaking of doing what you gotta do al smith coming in here big with a nice little 30 burger uh telling oh, you yeah, all, al. appreciate you, it al. telling you all to hit that light and but button folks we got 82 people in this chat, so punch that like button. Every little bit helps. We're trying to cruise to 100 subs. We're a little bit over 9, 12, I think, right now. So uh, hit that like button. If you're not subscribed, hit the 1,000 subscribe. subs. We're getting thousand close subs. to 1,000 yeah. there, right? Let's get it right. Yeah, yeah we're getting sorry. there. 44% so, like ratio. 44% <laughs> like. Getting the advanced like. analytics to this. The pod, analytics. Man. Love it. <laughs> So let's get into this other trade here uh, from, for Winnipeg. So not exactly in the Pacific, but uh, definitely in the playoff hunt for somebody that, that we could be playing here. So Montreal trades Sean Monaghan to the Jets. Montreal received a first-round pick in 2024, conditional third selection in 2027. Uh, the 29-year-old forward has 35 points, so 13 goals, 22 assists in 49 games. And has played every game after being limited to 25 last season from injury. So seems to be back and healthy. What do you guys view this trade as, boys? I really like the the player. I think the first, you know, I think the first round pick is is a tick on the high side um, for Winnipeg. But I think I think there's teams that clearly needed help down the middle. Winnipeg is one. But also Colorado is another one. And I wonder how much goes into this as so Lindholm's off the board. Winnipeg was interested in Lindholm by at least according to reports. So that's one probably the biggest center is off the board. So if you're Winnipeg, it's like, okay, well, now we've got we're we lost one opportunity. We know Colorado is going to be looking to add forward because it's I don't I still don't think they've really fully found that second line center has the avalanche. So if you're Winnipeg, you've got a divisional opponent that you may see you're chasing down for for the division you may see in the first round. Are you willing to just pay that little extra to just make sure that you get what if they assume they considered him the next best option on the center market in Sean Monahan, I'm okay with it. I I, I don't hate it. Listen I know there was talk we talked about potentially is Winnipeg. Where are they? Are they going to be sellers? Are they, you know, I think they, they, what they did with the PLD trade was they kind of retooled and just kind of reshaped their roster. Um, and then clearly once they signed Shifley and, and Hellebuck, they're in, like they're not sellers. Clearly they were committed and they've had a nice season here. So why not? Uh, I kind of like the deal. Again, it's a, a a first seems a little heavy and I think there's another conditional pick to it, but Hey, go get your guy because 
it might be Colorado now that, that would have added him, or maybe they go add somebody else like a Henrique or something along those lines. So I, I think they saw this as an opportunity to, um, you know, to stay and, and keep themselves in that mix for a deep playoff run. So I like the ad. Yeah. I don't know how Nemestikov, cause I believe he was being, he was their two C uh, so far this season. I don't know how they would have been confident in his ability to be yeah. the two C going to the playoffs. So yeah, <clears throat> I get that part. Uh, I mean, you could just put Velarde at center. Apparently he's a center. So, but I, I'd like, <laughs> I like, uh, I like the move for, for uh, Winnipeg. You could just sense that, they're going to be a lockdown defensive style team. They're going to rely on their goaltender and they're rely on their defense to win them games. We saw that with the long streak that they, that they had of what, not allowing three, uh, three goals in, in a game. I forget how long it was, but it was the longest in their history. So they're going to be a defensive style team. So to add Monaghan, who's now uh, a center, uh, it could play that top six center role for them. Uh, like, like Joe just said, it's just a, another versatile uh, player that they can have up front that can play anything on anywhere on the ice in any, any, um, any situation too. So penalty kill power play, wherever. So I thought they paid a good price for it. I have a buddy, but I have a buddy who's an avalanche fan who is, he's pissed because he had his eyes set on Lindholm. And now that Monaghan is gone, it's like Henrique. Eh, yeah. I don't know. Like, does that sound really turn the table? I, I mean, with the avalanche, it's, it's weird. Like that central division like it's really top heavy right now with Winnipeg, uh, Dallas, and Colorado. Nashville is kind of floating around there, um, but I don't, I don't really see them. I don't, obviously, the Kings are kind of fighting with Nashville and St. Louis, which is fucking horrible. But it is what it is. So, but with uh, Colorado, it seems like they're going to have to be just like this top heavy team and rely on McKinnon and, and all the horses and McCarr to really carry them. Unless they find out, maybe they go the goaltender route and try to shore up that situation. But man, like I, I don't know, like that central division is gonna be interesting to watch, and I'm gonna be curious to see how that two-three matchup in the playoffs goes. Because one of those teams, that's gonna be a really good team to lose. And at this point, too, if I, as a Kings fan, like I'm looking at the playoff picture in the Pacific Division, man, Vancouver, please keep on winning. Just keep on winning. We'll take a wild card spot. And if Vegas and Edmonton want to play each other in the first round. Fine with me. Let's get those one of those teams out of it, and we'll take the wild card. And hopefully, it's not uh, Colorado that the Kings have to face. Because I, hey, if the Kings have to play Vancouver in the first round, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'd rather. We've seen it happen before, obviously with a different team. But I don't know. I, I feel I'll, much. But I'll throw this to you. I'll throw this to you. If we're the wild card and we play either Avalanche, Stars, or Jets, who do you think we match up best with? Stars. Winnipeg. I say stars. Oh. Stars. This well, I. It's hard to say because I want to see what the Kings under Jim Hiller are like. The stars are fast. I don't know how the Kings are going to stop Rupe Hints, Jason Robertson. They have had a coming out party with Thomas Harley now, who's an incredible defenseman who took over Wyatt big Johnson minutes. Is a great forward too. Wyatt John, yeah, that's a. I've continually underappreciated Dallas, and I don't know why, but I'm really getting on board with them because you have elite defensemen now with, with obviously Haskinen's an absolute stud, but Harley is evolving and he is a legitimate, like he's a stud defenseman right now. So they have two outstanding top pair defensemen, and you combine that with what they can bring up front with some of the speed they've got. And oh, by the way, one of the best goalies in the league. 
it's tricky. It's it's funny that neither one of us said Colorado. Where we, if we probably look back at the win loss records against all three of those teams, I feel like the Kings probably have the best winning percentage against Colorado yeah. and Winnipeg and Dallas. But man, like nah, I don't want nah. <laughs> give me away from the. I thought, did you see McKinnon's goal today? Like. Holy hell, that guy was shot out of a cannon, made one move, and boom, passed John <laughs> That guy is unreal the way he's playing right now, and he just turns it up to another level. I mean, but the I, reason I said Dallas because and not Winnipeg, it's like if I saw Gabe Velarde score a big playoff goal against the Kings, I'd probably just crawl into the corner and just cry myself. <laughs> so just hope that uh, it'd have to probably be Winnipeg for me because every time – the Kings play the Stars. I mean, they're going to be playing four of their games here, and I haven't seen a Kings win in Dallas in, I don't know, three or four years, so that would be an automatic loss. Yeah, or, yeah, or I'm just not allowed to go. I probably couldn't afford it, uh, to be honest <laughs> with you, the way the tickets are getting up there. Um, so, man, yeah, McKinnon's an absolute stud, though. You don't want to, He's probably the best player on any of those three teams, and, you know, any of those types of – those mm-hmm. guys can dominate a series. Uh, and don't forget about McCarr, right, you know. Just, yeah. Let's not He's brush him aside. And we've He's seen up. what I know teams, people get, you know, knock on Edmonton for being top heavy. Uh, they've beaten the Kings two years in their own playoffs. So we've seen two two players be able to take over series. So wouldn't be the first time that a duo, in this case, be McKinnon and McCarr, just, just dominate a series and take it over. So I'd, I'd rather avoid them as long as I can. Isn't Landis Cog getting back from injury as well? Or is he almost I, back? It's entirely possible, yes. No, that's scary. That's so scary. Just uh, Vancouver, uh, I give me that matchup. That's why. That, that that that's why. That's why actually, like, Henrique isn't a sexy name, but he could. I could see him fitting Colorado just fine. You know what I mean? Like he's he's not yeah. a, he's not a wow player. He's not a big time point producer. But I I actually. Like he wouldn't have been my first choice, obviously. Like obviously, uh, Lindholm. If I could have gotten Lindholm for Colorado, or something like that. But I don't think Henrique is a bad add to that team because then you've got with Lekin in there too. Now you 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 can still have a stronger spine than you've got now. Uh, and obviously, they're going to be willing to pay a first because they're they're a cup. You know, they're they're here to win a cup and they're they're t- set up to do it. So. Be curious to see if there is something else that gets that's more available than we're aware of. You know the names right now down the a name to keep in mind. May, I don't know what Buffalo is going to do with Casey Middlestat. Okay. Oh man. So Love just that Middlestad. you've got Tage Thompson, you've got Dylan Cousins. They're locked up for the next eight years, seven years, whatever it is. Are they going to lock up Casey Middlestat, who's an RFA at the end of this year, to play third line center? I don't know. They've experimented with him on the wing. I know Cousins has played the wing here and there, but I think both of those guys are true centers. So I don't know what happens with Middlestat. I see Zegris in the comments. So there, there may be some interesting names at the center position that, that are more available than we may think. Um, so we'll see what happens. We have I can a whole- imagine like Zegris. Zegers on Colorado, like if he tries a lacrosse move when they're down by like a couple goals, McKinnon might just punch him in the face, right? There. <laughs> <laughs> the Ducks should not trade Zegers, in my opinion, by the way. They should, in my opinion, by the way. I they should. What, it, what, real quick, like you mentioned Middlestat. I, I, I've been a huge fan of Middlestat going back to, um, I forget which years it was, but when he was playing for USA during the yep. World Junior Championships, he was incredible. incredible. Like one of, probably the best player on the team. 
by far. I think he was he was on the team when they played that outdoor game in Buffalo, if I'm mistaken. I think you're right, but, yes. Yep. Um, so what's the deal with him? Like, you're obviously in, uh, near there, and you hear a lot more about Buffalo. What's, what's going on there? I haven't heard his name come up, so that's kind of a surprise to me. It's just the fact that he – so we've seen Buffalo lock up their young players, right? They did it with Tage Thompson. They did it with Dylan Cousins, both centers. They've done it with Rasmus Dahlin, Mateus Samuelson all locked up Owen power they've signed. So the question now is what do you do with Casey Middlestat? Who's a 25 year old finally kind of having his breakout season. He started to last year too, but now he's starting to produce like the player that they thought he would produce at. He's making two and a half million dollars. He's an RFA. What's going to happen? What type of contract are they looking at? Are they going to ink him to a long-term deal? And if so, where is he playing? Is because Tage Thompson's your number one center. Yeah. Dylan Cousins is your number two center. Like I said, both Thompson and Cousins have had some, you know, games on the wing and they've played wing here and there. I, I I think they're both viewed as centers, though. I think that's where the organization wants them. So are they gonna pay? What do you pay Casey Middlestat? And how long do you pay Casey Middlestat? What does Casey Middlestat see himself as? Is he a top six center in his mind? Because Cousins and and I think both Cousins and Thompson have missed time this year, and Middlestat's been elevated and has done well. So that's where it becomes a really interesting conversation is what do we do with him? Do we sign him for long-term and he's our third-line center? Does he want to do that? So I, that's, that's kind yeah. of where the conversation has been. Um, again, there hasn't been a long-term deal agreed to, like we've seen with Buffalo with a handful of their other young stars. So, and what do they do? Do they do they trade him for assets? I don't know that Buffalo is in that mode right now. They have, if anything, they've got assets to deal. My thought is they need to trade him for a piece. So that's where maybe Colorado's not a fit because I don't know how Colorado they're they're probably not in the mood to do that. Um but that's so the, the middle stat and Buffalo thing is interesting. It, it could be something where they just kick the can down the road and it's a one year RFA deal or, or a bridge deal or something. But um, that's where that is right now. And it's it's at least a potential interesting name that's on the market right now. Oh, I, I should maybe he's not on the market, but it is out there because of the contract situation. Very interesting to see, to see how the team's uniform. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. He's a great, great player. Yes. <laughs> so, so PLD for Middlestat, is that what we're doing? <laughs> no, sure. Let's go. All right. Well, <laughs> we don't know what's going on there, but we know what's going on here with the Olympics. The Olympics are back, boys. Oh, uh, world, yeah. Let's go. World Championships as well. It's all going to start off with the, uh, the, the, the four country tournament uh, where they're saying that they're, it's going to be Team USA, Canada, Finland and um, Sweden, they're going to have it to where it's a round robin, uh, you know, three points for a win, yada, yada, yada. And then the two people with the highest will play in the final. So that'll be the first uh, peak at uh, best on best. But then the world or the world championships and the Olympics are going to rotate every two years. Uh, so we're going to see best on best boys uh, coming here all the way through 2030, I believe, is what the negotiation has been with. So what what is your guys' view on this? Obviously, it's great for hockey, I believe. Uh, but like, I, I don't think the the NHL could have done this sooner enough. Oh man! Like when I saw this news come down, like I almost jumped out of my seat. Like I've been waiting for 
the NHL to go back in the Olympics for years. This has gone on far too long where, I mean, it's just as, as, as a USA fan, like I don't hate it that we haven't seen McDavid in a Canada uniform, <laughs> but as a hockey fan, it's total disgrace that we haven't seen that happen. So, I mean, now that we were able to get McDavid, McCarr, McKinnon, Crosby all up against the Kachucks, Matthews, Eichel, the Hughes like, my my head is about to explode because this is like what hockey fans dream of is that real true best on best. Like, you know, obviously you don't get that in the all-star game. You don't get that at the world championships because like, it's just who goes. It's never, it's never really full good teams. But now that you're going to get that in the Olympics where it really matters. Oh man. Like I I'm so pumped and, and I got chills just thinking about the lineups that we might see and, I don't know. It's going to be incredible. Like you think about like 2030, we could see like Quentin Byfield, Brant Clark play for Team Canada, which would be incredible. Alex LaFerriere on Team USA. Let's get it going. Yeah, I'm fired up. I mean, this is awesome. I mean, it's it sucks that it's taken this long, but I, I mean, I just echo what Russ says. I don't I don't know that there's anything else really to add. I love Olympic hockey. It's it's one of my favorite things to watch, and the fact that we're going to be getting, you know, best on best back is. Um, I love it. I think it's great. So I'm I'm all for it. I think uh, I think it'll be interesting. There, Paris has already changed its designs. They were going to build, I believe, a uh, international competition size rink, uh, and now they're going to build an NHL size rink to accommodate <clears throat> most of the NHL players playing on that. Most of the time, I heard that they've changed their their outlook on that. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be something major. And I mean, you're looking at. But twenty even twenty twenty four or not twenty twenty four, but twenty twenty six. I mean, you're looking at, you know, is 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 it going to be McDavid and then Bedard right behind him? Is Bedard going to get on that that stacked roster? You're going to have some other players coming up. Uh, I mean, with the way Q's playing now, he might make the Canadian Olympic team as a fourth player. Who knows? Leave uh, Le- coming back in here with a with a ten dollar donation. Appreciate it, Leave. Uh, are we worried that negotiations between the NHL and the IOC might work as badly as they always do? So, do you think yeah. there's is there a fear of this falling of apart? Of course, like, I, I'm like, like I'm not like 100 like confident that this is actually going to happen. I mean, if it doesn't, I'd be incredibly pissed because to get my hopes up like this is, is terrible. But yeah, I mean, from everything we've heard and seen, like how they've kind of jungled juggled this like back and forth with Bettman and the IOC. It's like what the what the hell are we doing here? So after all of that, like it gives me no hundred percent belief that this is gonna happen. I'll wait until that puck actually drops between whoever which teams are playing to start. But it, it certainly seems like that four nation tournament's gonna happen next year, which when it originally was announced, I was like, what the hell? Like what is going on here? Like just give us the Olympics. But now that they announced this and the Olympics or this four nation tournament to be like a prelude to the Olympics the year after like okay that that works for me and it sounds like the players are pretty cool with it too like they're really pumped for it I think I heard McCarr talking about it so yeah like it's it's nerve nerve nervous time to to hope that this goes through because I think a lot of hockey fans this is what they've been waiting for for a long time I mean it's it's there's always whenever the IOC is involved and you know the NHL with this is you, you can understand some trepidation, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know that Bettman throws this stuff around lightly. So if, yeah, I, I feel like if, if I feel pretty good about it, if he says that they're in, then, then they, they've obviously had negotiations get to a point where they've, there's gotta be somewhat of an agreement here. So, and they're, and they're throwing out marketing already. 
So like it, it seems you know, that kind of thing kind of puts a solidification and, and there. This might be controversial. I don't know, but like they have to figure out a way to get Russia there. Team Russia. I mean, don't, I was just about to say that. Your, don't name them Russia if you don't if you don't feel comfortable doing it. But like, come on, like, what are we doing here? Like, these players are already playing in the NHL. Let's. You have to see Team Russia in the Olympics too. Like, that's one. Of, they're one of the best teams. So if you want to have a true Olympic mm-hmm. competition, figure out a way to get Russia in there too. Like even like that last World Cup they did. I know a lot of people were really cool with it and it was really fun. But to me, it was just like a big gimmick. Team Europe and North America, I, I hated that. I, and I might be in the minority there, but as a, also as a USA fan, when you see like Austin Matthews and some of these good players that probably would have been on USA at that time, it's like, okay, you're kind of taken away from that. And it just didn't feel like a true competition, yeah. international competition at all. No, it didn't. I mean, you had Americans playing against Americans and Canadians playing against Canadians. That's just got to be, I don't know. I don't know. It it was fun. It was extremely exciting to watch. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, it didn't feel like an international competition. So, um, I didn't like. I didn't hate it, but it was also a nice way to get more great players involved because there'd be a lot yeah. of those players that maybe wouldn't have made those U.S. and and Canada teams because of their youth and just how deep those other rosters were. So it was it was at least a fun way to see them, and then you get an opportunity to see a guy like Andre Kopitar play for Team Europe because you know Slovenia is not going to be in a tournament like that. So I, I you know I went back and forth. Well, I, so Slovenia, they're actually playing. So this, I'm going to ask Andre Kopitar next time I see him. Their qualification round for the Olympics, the next Olympics, <coughs> is actually in August. They play. Oh against i have to bring it look it up but slovenia is in the last qualification round for the final three spots of the olympics so i'll be curious to see if kopitar ends up playing in that tournament i know he has in the past obviously so mm-hmm. i mean if this could be his final run go to yeah. actually get slovenia in the olympics i mean that that would be huge i'm sure for yeah him. absolutely which would yeah, be I think great. that'd be awesome i think it's a travesty that russia isn't in and it, it, players shouldn't have to be penalized for the decisions of their government and like these yeah. are dreams and and like having and I don't believe they were in the world juniors. So like you're having all these young kids who, you know, not being able to progress in their career. I mean, the world juniors is huge for for scouts and stuff like that, the U18s and all that kind of stuff like that. So I, I think it's a travesty. And, and like you said, it's not real, it's not a real hockey tournament without Team Russia. I mean, I mean, they have a lot of excellent players. Uh, multiple MVPs and stuff like that. I think they would be a scary team at any time. And, and I understand the four-team tournament, you know, they're trying to just get something going, but hopefully by the time the, the Olympics go, um, the IOC will realize that it's going to be better for the sport uh, if they're in there. Yeah, I watched uh, I watched Miracle over the weekend just because I was so pumped. I just had to get that Herb Brooks motivation in me. It's like, <laughs> And I was like, I was listening to some of his lines that, I mean, Kurt Russell obviously did incredible in that job. And I was listening to some of those lines. I'm like, man, the Kings need to listen to this speech right now. Like, yeah, you need to play for a team. Like, come on. I was like, man, that, that movie is incredible. It gives me chills every time I watch it. <laughs> it's my favorite sports movie. Awesome. Barna. Stand low uh, a second. All right. We're getting into the last segment here. A seat at the round table. So the seat at the round table, if people have not heard it before, uh, is our – player of the month uh segment here not a very great month so we might be digging through uh the barrel here 
but we're going to give uh, some stick taps to some of your kings. So throw in your player of the month in there uh, if you guys are in the chat. Uh, but we will start this segment off with Russell. Ooh, yeah. Like you said, not a lot to pick from. Um, I don't know. I went for the player. I've always been high on this player. I think he played pretty well over this this last month. Uh, so Alex Ferrier, uh, seven points in 15 games. He was actually fifth among all rookies in the NHL uh, during that time frame, which is which actually kind of surprising to me. So, man, I... I just I just get stoked for this this kid. Like he, I've I've been you guys have heard I've been watching and, and he, following along with this uh, player ever since he was drafted, and he just hasn't disappointed. I mean, you just have to remind yourself constantly that this is a rookie in the NHL, and he doesn't look like it when he's on the ice. So if he can just continue to grow his game and get more of an opportunity, like we saw, like I mean, he's getting first uh, power play time, and he's producing on that power play too. So. I mean, you can't like if you can wait and be patient and see that opportunity get to get, uh, be given to him a little bit more. I feel like you got a really solid top six winger uh, in the future for LA. So good, good month for him, and looking forward to the rest of the year. Another month though, underneath five percent shooting, and he's had a couple of those there. Is it you think it's just been snake bitten, or or is he not taking the right shots? Like, how do you view that from from him? I think he takes a lot of shots. Uh, probably a lot more. I'd have to look at the numbers, but he probably takes a lot more shots than uh, some of the other forwards. So I feel like that probably hampers his shooting percentage a little bit. I know they've been working with him. Uh, Jared Stoll, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, I shared that that photo. They were been working with his kind of curl and drag release a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I've actually noticed that during games. So if you watch LaFerrier play and you see him shoot the puck, he's been trying that curl and drag release a lot more. And that was something J- Jared Stoll was working with him. And obviously, um, where you're shooting the puck, too, helps a little bit. So I'm curious to see if they give him a little bit more of a green light to continue doing that or if they look for him to find better opportunities. But so far, I love the mindset. Just shoot the puck as soon as you get it. That's always been my my, uh, MO. So I I love it. All right, Joe, who is getting your seat at the roundtable? Boy, this this month could have gone a lot worse (laughs) if it wasn't for Big Save Dave. In his seven oh, games, right. three, one, and three, so he picks up points in six out of uh, out of the seven games. Um, Nine twenty save percentage during that time, and in the month of January was eleventh in uh, the NHL in goals save above expected per evolving hockey. So, uh, in a month where there wasn't a whole lot to speak of. David Riddich held up his end of the bargain, and he really came up big. Because imagine where the Kings wouldn't be without the three one and three David Riddich in the month of January. Man, remember we were Not- talking about teams probably going to pick him up on waivers at the beginning of the year. <laughs> I mean, two like I don't know why, like why teams didn't. It it didn't make any sense the way he was playing at the preseason. He looked incredible, and we were we're continuing to see it. Yeah, I, lucky, again, lucky it's been it's it's, it's no. this is the so this is so this is another thing though. We talked about hashtag goalies and why the Kings are a perfect fit because they don't give up high danger chances and all that stuff. Do the Kings under Hiller, depending on the changes, is there a slight sacrifice if he changes the style of play? And we don't know. This is I don't know. We suspect that he's here to give a little bit of a kick to the offense. Can they do that? without sacrificing, you know, a generally staunch defense group. And if they do that, 
and actually if they can't do that and they do sacrifice some of the defense then hashtag goalies becomes a little bit of a more risky play for a team where it was a no-brainer in the offseason it was a fantastic job by blake to do what he did with the goalies it we'll see how if that if that can continue with um <laughs> with a new a potentially new system kind of bit us a little bit with a Cam Talbot situation. No, no, it did. no. I genuinely, I genuinely don't okay. think it did. He, who the hell had Cam Talbot making the All Star team? Yeah. So you got you squeezed that orange to borrow a phrase from from fantasy baseball podcast and Fangraphs. Like you squeezed the juice out of that orange. Like they they've gotten everything out of him, and there still may be more. He came back to earth a little bit. We he wasn't going to play at a nine thirty all season, so of course he's going to come back to earth a little bit. I suspect he'll have better games ahead. It's the ebbs and flows of goalies that are million dollar goalies like that. It just is what it is. But again, think of where the Kings would have been without how well Talbot played in the beginning of the season. So their system allows it to work. So I, you're just. Copley played well last year. It's it's um, Talbot this year. Now it's Riddich. Like hopefully Riddich has enough in the tank to get it through the end of the season, or at least enough for Talbot to pick it back up. Like you know, we we all talked about Talbot can't be playing this many games. You know, so maybe you know this this kind of him not playing as much will be a benefit to him. But no, I I don't think it bit because look at what they got. All they got out of they got an all-star caliber goalie for the first half of the season. And he didn't play well, just as the other rest of the team didn't play well. So, you know, I, I still think the strategy, it was the correct one um, for, for this off season and for the way the team played under Todd McClellan. Well said, well said. Well, I'm going to throw it here to a guy. Uh, he uh, had uh, three goals uh, and seven assists. Uh, he was also had a percentage of 76 IPP. And for people that don't know what that means, he was on the ice or he was a part of the, the goal 76% of the time when there was a goal scored on the ice. Over shooting percentage of, of 11% and six first assists out of the seven. So doing doing the damage there, and that's one Felipe. Dano for my seat at the round table this month. Uh, always, always playing at the, at the top of his game, always pushing, doing the dirty stuff that needs to get done. Uh, that line had a couple bad games, but for the most part was pretty consistent throughout that month with him and Trevor Moore. Uh, does, does a lot of the things on the penalty kill, the number one penalty kill uh, in, in the league there. So uh, my seat at the round table goes for uh, Philippe Dano for sure. Yeah, I love it. You can never – question his work ethic yeah. and I mean that's going to be a player that the Kings are going to have to lean on and I know Hiller's probably going to have to lean on to get him out of this rut but I don't know I'm curious to see who they play with to know or who Hiller plays with to know Joe you weren't really here at the beginning do you do you expect to see maybe you did mention it I'm just kind of forgetting or do you expect to see a lot of lineup changes and if you do or if you like what lineup changes would you make um, I don't know if I'm expecting lineup changes. Um, I would like to see, um, I would like to see Lewis out of the lineup start there. I think that in as long as 
Lazad is out. Turcotte probably has to be the fourth line center. Uh, that said, I continue to be intrigued by Turcotte playing the wing with Dubois and Laferriere. Uh, I think Jared Anderson Dolan can handle fourth line center duties. I think he's capable, but if the team doesn't want to do that, then Turcotte's got to be the guy. I wouldn't mind seeing Fiala back with, with Dubois to give him another shot. Maybe there's your opportunity to give Kaliev his, his second chance uh, of a breath of fresh air with a fresh start. I should say with uh, uh, more and to know, Maybe that's something that we see. How about, how about um, this? I mean, I'll, I'll cut you off real quick. I mean, it sounds like Victor Arvidsson's going to be back sooner rather than later. Where, where do point. we play? Let's 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 talk about that. Where are we playing Victor Arvidsson? Yeah, right? yeah. So so I would play. I mean, I guess it depends on what they want to do. I, I, if they where they're at with like Fiala with with um, um, Dano and more. Like I guess you could easily put Arvidsson right back with Dano and more. Put Fiala with with um, Dubois and Laferriere, and then Turcotte, Kaliev, Grunstrom. I think that's a really intriguing lineup. It provides when you've got Turcotte, Kaliev, and Grunstrom on the fourth line. That's a pretty. There's options there to put pucks in the net. Um, I mean, even I, Anderson Dolan. You could also with put Arvidsson with with Dubois too if they didn't want to break up that line. Uh, so that's an option too, I'm, which I'm open to kind of any of those type of combos. For really, for me, Russ, God, why does it always come out to like, here's Joe hating on Trevor Lewis again? Really, any lineup that takes Lewis out <laughs> of the lineup, I think I'm genuinely going to be okay with figuring out what combinations may work. I hate to say it, but it, I, yeah, we 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 try not to pick on individual players here, but like. Let's be let's be real here. Here's this team's obviously pointing to offense being the big detriment of this team's uh, recent failures, I guess. Yeah. So if you're looking to ignite a little bit of offense, it's so weird to say because he was one of the goal scorers in the last game. But I mean, a lot of that was because of the work from Turcotte and Byfield behind the net. Yeah. He just kind of stood there and shot the puck. But obviously, great play. So it's good to see. Sure. I'm not going to discredit that. But like, come like come on here, like. Let's he get, is the least offensive upside among every forward, the, among yeah. any forward that has touched, uh, put put a Kings jersey on this season. Um, yeah. it, it's just why can't we say that? Like, I, I honestly, like, I'd probably be fine just resting him, and if you want to just play him in the playoffs just to get that veteran leadership there, maybe I could I could see that. But like, yeah, like. The way Jared Anderson Dolan has been playing lately, I think you have to find a way to keep him in the lineup. Grunstrom, I don't know. I'm 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 in and out on Grunstrom. Like that's the thing with him. Like I feel like the leash with Cal, like the leash with Cali. If I talk about and, and Grunstrom just has a way longer leash. Yep, I feel that's like. fair. Even though, fair. yeah. So I don't know. Very fair. Like you feel like if you can get a fourth line of Turcotte, uh, Anderson Dolan, Grunstrom, Kaliev there. Sign me up for that. And then when you get Lazat back, you, maybe you get Lazat, Turcotte, and Anderson Dolan together. That sounds pretty fun. I would say I just I would like to see either I if I had a preference, either one of Arvidson or Fiala with with Dubois. And that's assuming they don't break up the top line or anything like that, because I think he could use somebody with a little bit of finishing touch. You know, uh I think he he and Laferriere got a little thing going there. So I would like to see somebody with a little bit of finishing touch. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing that back together. How about what do you think, Brandon? 
Rudy wouldn't play Harbison. Yeah, I, I think I think it's the time for them to switch some things up. And I've been a blender guy for like the last couple of weeks. Um, I I wouldn't mind seeing again more with with PLD. And I know they don't they're not going to want to switch that together, but you could have you could have PLD with Arvidsson and and Fiala on the second line, and then have to know more or more PLD and um, and uh, Laferriere on the on the third line. So there might be some situation there where, where that works out. Uh, but it just how many minutes is he going to be able to take? I mean, obviously, I don't think they're going to put yeah. him in. I don't exactly. think they're going to put him in the lineup if his back's not healthy. So he should be cleared to go, but. I'm more interested in where Victor Robertson is going to be on the power play because we've been talking about that right-handed shot uh, below the net and see kind of how he would get that going. They he they utilized that a lot in Hiller's system last year, and so if they can get Laferriere uh, maybe in that role and then Arvidsson to to kind of that cohesion get some more right-handed sticks, uh, maybe see an uptick in some power play would be would be very interesting. Yep. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I would hope that they would just ha- run the same first power play unit that they ran last year and just switch Velarde with Byfield, who's looked really good, obviously playing up, up uh, in front of the net there. So, but yeah, for me, like I would like the way Fiala has been playing lately. He needs to turn his game around. He's been acting too much like a diva lately. I, I just, you can just see it on the ice and see it. I I, I could bet you a thousand dollars that's the player Dowdy was talking about. So he just seems like that type of player type of guy. So hopefully he can turn it around. I know we talk about Fiala, just you live and die by him, but there's been a lot more dying with Fiala than there has been living lately. So he's got to turn it around. And I think if you're able to get the best out of Fiala, you can just move him down a line, play him with Dubois and Laferriere. You don't have to give them too many minutes. You don't have to put him in situations where you have to rely on them to be really stout defensively. And then you can have Arvidsson, if he's healthy enough, like Randon said, can play the, the minutes – that he can play with this on the second line with the night you get the nice line back together. We've seen how great that line can be. They need a reliable line that they could just throw out on the ice and produce them a good 30, 45 seconds of, of ice of, of, of play. So if Arvidsson's healthy, get him back with, De, with Deneau and more, you can move Fiala down with Dubois and Laferriere and have them be that kind of situational line that you can throw out there, maybe for offensive zone faceoffs. just really put him out there just to be pure offense. And if Hiller is the offensive guy that we all kind of hear that he is, that seems like the type of the type of line that he would run. I know you're down on Fiala, but guess who had the most points in the month of January for the Kings? That's, that's Kevin the thing. That's the thing. <laughs> Live and die by Fiala. It's Manny I mean, being Manny, as they used to yeah, say exactly. over there in, in Boston. So we'll see how it goes out. We'll It'd be interesting to see the line combinations come Thursday for their practice. Uh, us at hockey royalty will be on the beat. As they used to say, you can find us at hockeyroyalty.com, hockey underscore royalty at JW Paterino at NHL Russell at Rando Commando 24, all rain coverage coming to you at Kopitar for, uh, HOF. Please hit that like and subscribe button. Tell your friends, tell your mom, uh, tell your girlfriend about this podcast. We need to get us up over a thousand subs. Appreciate you guys being in here. We guys don't you don't understand how much we guys uh, we care about you guys and 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 gals in here and making this podcast grow. We love uh, every single week we get to come on here with you guys. So appreciate that. And as always on this podcast, go Kings go.